Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome everybody to the Last Lap Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Pearson, and alongside me, as always, is my co-host, Sean Gray. Hello. The Last Lap Podcast. Unlike Vladimir Putin, we are Russian to get on with the <laughs> Russian GPL. All right. It wasn't that good. <laughs> and it wasn't that bad either. I thought it's, the, it's the only pun that I could think of off the top of my head. It's, uh, you know, you, you got to try, you got to try. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I certainly do. <laughs> so, uh, let's head over to Scott Lamont, who can take us through all the what's and wherefores about the Russian Grand Prix. It's two weeks and 7,000 kilometres since China, so not quite around the world in a day, but maybe still not enough for Sebastian Vettel. If he wants to come to this Grand Prix weekend and continue his controversy with Daniel Kvyat over that perfectly acceptable overtake uh, in China, then he'd better watch out as the Red Bull driver is on home turf for the third running of the Russian Grand Prix here at the Sochi Autodrome on planet Earth. Lap record on the 3.6 mile circuit is 140 set by that man Vettel last year, who set all of the sectors purple. Rain is possible, so watch out for that mixing things up. It's another Tilka track, and the news for you on the main corner to watch out for is the long turn 3 and 4, reminiscent of turn 8 in Turkey. This caught out Grosjean last year, bringing out the safety car. It's also thrown up a slightly unusual result, where Perez for Force India was on the podium last year, something almost as unusual as Johnny Herbert winning at Nürburgring for Stewart in 1999. You'll need a crystal ball to get the truth about the potential quality of racing here as it's still slightly up in the air with the first race in 2014 being an unspectacular parade, while 2015 had some chaos and disorder including Kimi Raikkonen's dirty mind making him take a hit and run at Bottas on the final lap. Vettel take note, now there truly was an incident where one car, car approached another like a torpedo. It's said that a sign of the times is that any driver to win the first three races of the year goes on to be champion. So, as Mr. Love Sexy himself, Lewis Hamilton has had the gold experience of winning both races here so far, is this going to see him putting aside his musicology to focus on, an, on starting an attempt to reduce the points gap to his teammate, or is this the year that he has to settle to play Robin to Rosberg's Batman? Before I hand back to Andrew and Sean, I'm sure eagle-eared listeners will have noticed something slightly odd about this week's track notes. I thought I'd take the opportunity to make a small tribute to the great purple one, Prince, by crowbarring in as many of his album titles as I could. If you'd like to have a little fun and guess how many were in there, why not tweet at Last Lap Podcast or me at SL underscore 37, that's E-S-S-E-L-L underscore 37. Let us know which ones you heard and how many there were. See you back in Europe next time for Spain, uh, but in the meantime, here's Andrew and Sean with what happened in Russia. So then, Sean, is your head full of conspiracy theories? Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Lewis Hamilton, what's he been saying this week? Stewards are against him. The fans say the Mercedes are against him. What do you think? I think I think it's just um, it's just life. Sometimes it doesn't go your way. It's Formula One. It's a tough sport. There is no conspiracy at Mercedes. There's no conspiracy with the uh, stewards. Lewis is just. 
having a bit of bad luck. It happens. <laughs> you said two years of good luck. It happens. Uh, but yeah, four out of four for Mr. Rosberg. Very interesting. Very interesting times we live in, uh, where <laughs> such such small margins that we're usually used to in Formula One cause such utter outrage across the interwebs. Um, but, well, uh, the internet can be a bit of an echo chamber at times, can't it? In that uh, you, you fire out an idea and, you know, there's bound to be somebody out there who will fire it back in agreement and say, yes, absolutely, you're right, it must be this. And then everybody validates one another and so suddenly <laughs> everything becomes the truth. That's uh, it. I mean, if you read everything, if you believed everything you read on the internet, then... <laughs> You're in, you're in trouble, put it that way. Yes. But no, um, I'm happy to see Rosberg uh, extend his lead. I'd love to see him win the World Championship, but a bit of a, bit of a dullard this week, wasn't it? Don't you think? It, it wasn't quite as exciting as the other Grand Prix have been, but for a Russian Grand Prix, it was okay. <laughs> With that little caveat. Well, it, it has to be, because the first one was awful and the second one wasn't quite so bad this was probably on par with the the second one i would have said um yeah no, that's probably a fair statement there was a bit of interesting stuff going on but it all seemed to happen at the start well i think that's the problem was that with though with what happened we ended up losing a a chunk of what we might probably consider to be the the lead of the field very early on um so that all the strategy stuff, which has kind of been keeping the races going for the last, you know, the last few races, just didn't didn't really happen this time. But it got to the end of the race, everybody knew where they were, and it was it all settled down. Yeah, uh, there was no tire totally. contra tire strategies or anything like that. Uh, in fact, the only contra tire strategy had happened at the start of the race and proved to be entirely uh, a, a poor call. decision. Um, yeah, so no, I agree. You, you know, I. I wasn't totally bored. I wasn't totally as enthused as I have been, but um, plenty of stuff to talk about still. I think so. So I'll I'll, I'll give it a, a thumbs up instead of two thumbs up, like I have for the last ones. Fair enough. Now, fair enough. The problem for me is, and it'll, it won't just be Russia that's affected with this. There'll be, I'm sure, there'll be a couple other tracks down the line in the season. If it's a one stopper, really. There's not a lot they can do with the strategy. It's generally, this is the tyre to be on, A, and then swap to tyre B, and that's kind of it. And, you know, you might get the odd person take a complete different way of doing things, but generally speaking, the the, the bulk of the field are all going to do kind of the same thing. So one-stop one race, races in general for me, I find dull adding to the fact that it's, the Russian track isn't that great a track, it, it kind of just made for a, yeah, it made, it made for a, a, a less than 5 out of 10 Grand Prix, put it that way. It was below average for me. Um, happy with the result, though. And, uh, yeah, like you said, there, there was plenty to talk about, all, all predominantly surrounding the, the first corner, I think. <laughs> uh, yes. I... Well, let's um, let, let's talk about Lewis Hamilton's weekend from Quali. Um, okay, yeah. Because that's obviously the where this all kind of starts, really, in a, in a lot of ways. And there's there's a lot of things to talk about going into that sort of second turn, really, as it is in in Russia. But <clears throat> Lewis again having issues in Quali, 
only able to start 10th and having to fly in an old engine which apparently had a different fueling system so they had to well they they had the engine and they had to fly in the fuel system for the engine that was from china um i, I didn't i felt <laughs> I found it quite difficult to keep along with that. I wasn't quite sure whether it was an old engine that had an old fuel system or it was a new engine that had a new fuel system in it. Do you know what I mean? Even though it had mm -hmm. been used in China. So anyway, so there was all of that kind of debacle, which gave us something of a, of a mixed up start, although starting 10th for a Mercedes is probably not quite the handicap it is to some other cars. Um, That's true. I mean, I'll admit, I'll admit and say that when you've seen it, it was on 10th on the grid, I fully, fully expected them to come second. Um, even after the tenth. Yes. Yeah. I, I, the, I, the Mercedes should have the pace to to still, at worst, be third. Yes. But if, probably second. You know they have to start pretty much pace. plumb last to end up anything lower than about sort of um, fourth or fifth really, and even then, um, most of the time they still end up there or better. Um, interesting to see the Williams up there in qualifying. That was the other point I want kind of wanted to bring on mm -hmm. that suddenly the Williams seem to have found some pace. Yeah, they looked a lot better here uh, than they did in China, which is interesting because I thought China would suit them with the long straight down in the back, and they, and and, they, and it didn't. So it's interesting that they found it from from somewhere. <laughs> I'm not really sure where, to be honest. Do but... you think it's a case that maybe it's something sort of suspension-wise that the very super flat, you know, GP that is Russia because it's not, you know, it's not full of bank curves and uh, and undulating bits and pieces. It's, yeah, China has a bit of the a bit of undulation right enough. Yeah, it's got a few. It's got a fair few bank bank corners in it as well, yeah. uh, and off camber oh, corners, is, uh, according to uh, the the drivers. And and Sochi just definitely doesn't have that because it's all flat. Yeah, no, yeah, there might be something in that. Yeah. Uh, so just whether the car was was better balanced, maybe than it has been. Um, but yeah, the race then. Turn two. Where to begin? <laughs> I, yes. Um, so, Danny Danny Kvyat. Then let's let's go to him. I guess rather than working our way down the the finishing order. Do you think? Do you think any of the incidents were total driver? error or do you think um, that as messy as they were that they were still start of the race kind of incidents mm, mm. the one in china yes this week slightly less so um well the one in china we didn't hit anybody so yeah. it's not really an incident <laughs> well that's true we covered that last week but uh, Inexperience and over-exuberance more than bad driving, but ultimately, <laughs> definitely a problem. Definitely something that um, was was beyond an beyond a first corner incident. I would I would say probably. Okay. I'm a bit on the fence. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I, the first one against with Vettel maybe put down to first corner. The second one, I'm less forgiven. The second one, I thought, was pretty careless. What did you think? Uh, I actually felt a bit sorry for Kvyat. 
the first one, I think um, he locked his wheels um, and has a little tap into the back of Sebastian. Um, and then as he's trying to get out of that, you know, Sebastian slows down harder than I think, um, or Sebastian is going slow, and then it's a Kvyat then slices across his back wheel with his front wing, which ultimately causes the puncture. Uh, that's a complete turn one melee thing. You know, people people lock a wheel into, you know, the sort of first turn all the time. The second incident, I think, looks a lot worse than it actually is. You think so? Uh, yes, I'm. I am more of the opinion that. Um, he genuinely he's genuinely caught out by the fact that um, Sebastian is slowing down in an acceleration zone, or certainly not accelerating as fast as he as he is. I think at that point he doesn't see Perez to understand why Sebastian is backing out and being a bit more cautious. Um, He's just trying to get on and get going again. Um, and, you know, he hits into the back of him. It's happened to lots of drivers in the past. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, he's unfortunate that, you know, there's been three semi-high-profile incidents in the space of a fortnight. Well, well two two at the first corner here and the one in China. If if if, if China doesn't happen, we, we we probably don't talk about this anywhere near as much. Obviously, it's because one has followed the other directly, and obviously, it's the exact same people that are involved that has blown up into epic proportions. So, I can I can agree with what you're saying that you, I do feel a little bit sorry for him. But yeah, the sec, yeah, and like I say, inexperience more than than outright bad driving, I would say. But at the same time, I think he, I do think he probably deserved the penalty that he got. Well, I think I think the net result kind of deserves in the penalty. It's one of those weird things where I think he's not totally culpable for any of it, but he's he's still done it and taken <laughs> somebody's been taken out of the race and it's like manslaughter instead of murder. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> um. Yeah, death by misadventure or something like that. Yeah. You know, it didn't really mean to do it, but in the end... He's still done it. <laughs> it's all gone down, and there's only one person really who caused any of it to go down, and it was it was that one person. So I kind of feel that if he'd have gotten a, a straight drive-through and not the 10-second, I'd, I'd have been fine with that. Although, yeah, as would I, probably. I probably wouldn't have complained. Um, so... It's really weird because usually I'd be saying, "Well, the stewards have overreacted," and blah blah blah. But even though I don't think he needs to get the roasting he does from, you know, everybody in the media and all the other bits and pieces and uh, and everything like that, I think in the end because he, you know, essentially twice hit the same car and you know the last time took it out and the last one maybe you you might reasonably say, well be a little bit more expecting that you might have to get out of it rather than just accelerating forward into the back <laughs> of the car in front of you. Um, you know, there you go. It, it, it's done and dusted. I think um, he'll get the, you know, get the points on his license and uh, you know, uh, a word in his ear. The The problem for me is, is that um, it, it's, it's only going to probably dent his confidence. 
uh, and he needs to buck his ideas up if if we're expecting him to be in the car next year. If we are even at this stage expecting him to be in the car next year. <laughs> I'm already kind of expecting him not to be in the car next yeah. year, which is a real shame. But, but uh, yeah. They need well, excuses like this to be able to do it, it don't they, It's really? giving them, it's, it's making it easy for them to promote Max if, if that's the route they yeah. want to go down and you get the impression that it is. It's, this is just, you know, he's playing into their hands. If he went very quietly, solidly about scoring cracking points finishes every week, they'd find it a lot more difficult to, to give him the the bullet. But, you know, he's making it very easy because not only did he wreck Sebastian Vettel's race, he wrecked his own race by coming in for a dry stop-go penalty and, and, and whatever else. So, yeah, he doesn't need this kind of controversy. He needs it's, it's it's very much the wrong kind of attention. He wants to be getting the attention for oh, Kvyat's done a solid drive there. He's managed to take third place or whatever. You know, not not this kind of thing. And it, as it's given them an excuse to promote Max when it's pretty clear as day that's what they they're dying to do. So I feel a bit sorry for Mark. He is a confident young man, though. He proved that after China when Vettel questioned him, and he you know he kind of stuck it to Sebastian. So. Hopefully, he just get, gets on with it and comes out and continues to as uh, continues to you know make moves because you don't want that, you you don't want him to lose that young you know exciting attitude of of putting moves on people. You just want him to be a bit more I don't know careful about it. Yes, it's a balancing act. It, oh, it is indeed. Um, also, in the the first corner melee, uh, other than uh, Kvyat sending Vettel into his own. Uh, into Daniel Ricciardo uh, Esteban Gutierrez covered himself in glory by crashing into uh, Nico Hulkenberg and taking him out um, and somewhere in the other melee Sergio Perez got a uh, a puncture um, probably from going either over some debris or, or being clouted by a spinning car somewhere along the line so we get a safety car Um Virtual to real in the space of a lap. Yeah, um, I think I think they thought Vettel's car was maybe less damaged than what it was. It, it looked like it looked like just a small tap on the barrier, but the suspension in that had all kind of crumbled. So it did look it looked like there was going to be a a pretty easy cleanup job, but in the end, uh, was there was a, a bit lot more, of debris. Yeah, a lot of debris. Yeah, it was just a small. You know, it wasn't it wasn't the biggest impact in the world against the barrier, but like you say, a lot of debris. So you're probably justified safety car. Um. Yeah. So well, Nico's Nico's scampering off. Lewis Lewis did well though uh, off the start. Well, they were... get himself up to fifth right away from the, through through all the carnage, avoid all the carnage because he's the one that's been getting involved in all the mess in well, the last absolutely. couple of Grand So he did. He he somehow managed to keep himself out of all that because he'd have been right right in that mix coming from tenth. So he'd have been driving right through it all. So so well, therein like therein lies our next point. <laughs> and one that, which Lewis Hamilton probably should reflect on before he starts saying that the stewards are out to get him because uh, essentially he he straight lined the corner yep uh, keeping to the left of the barrier this time um which therefore meant that he came off the corner with a decent amount of speed and was right over left when Kvyat hit Vettel so completely missed all of that incident uh and as you say was able to to slot he slotted fifth. in at fifth, yeah, exactly. So he really, he really gained probably at least two positions, maybe three, um, 
just in that one move. And some people were not happy with that. Now, I don't know how you feel about this, but I'll, I'll say how I feel on this. I don't like it, but that's the way it's always been. Yeah, no, Whenever I agree. there's carnage at a corner, people go around the corners, and ultimately some people... Uh, some people do well out of it, and some some people don't, and some people get collected by the accident. That's the three things that happen in those in those situations. If we start looking at every time to try and work out whether somebody got an advantage by going off road or on road, um, we'll see more penalties and you know drive throughs and five second penalties than I think really we want to as fans of the sport. We don't want the stewards to actually be looking at every single thing that happens on track and penalising it. Um, I agree, and the fact it was the first corner as well, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, absolutely, but I mean, I think even if that had been further on in the race and there'd been an incident like that, and I'd seen somebody go around that way, I think you just have to say, well, look, so you've got to do one or two things. You can either drive straight into everything, yeah, or, exactly. What's he What's he going to do? Stay on the track and drive straight into the, a spinning car? You know, yeah. that, that makes no sense. So, yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, but yeah, that that rather shook stuff up though. So we had. Um, a few laps. It was about 16 laps before everybody started coming in. Uh, where um, yeah, we had Lewis trying to fight his way through. He was in who fifth. Did Lewis overtake before the pit stops? He got past Kimi Raikkonen. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, uh, and that left him behind uh, Bottas, and he was fighting to fighting to pass Bottas, and then Bottas pitted first. It looked like, and Bottas managed to actually get out in front of Lewis, but then Lewis had the speed post pit stop to, to make the move stick, and that was kind of, kind of it from there, really. Yes. Um. Thinking about Kimi and his race. Thirty-one seconds behind Rosberg and ten seconds behind Lewis. Does this rather reinforce the point that Nico Rosberg made earlier on in the week, which I was very grateful he he made, which was, should we now stop pretending that the Ferrari is close to the Mercedes? Yes. And he, and he literally said that. Yes. The Ferrari is half a minute slower than the Mercedes over a Grand Prix distance. I don't think anybody would argue that. Good. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> um. It also means that then a, a Williams is 50 seconds is nearly a, a minute slower than a... <laughs> uh, yeah, that's probably about right because you'd say the, I reckon the Ferrari probably does have, you know, on, a, on a, any going day, that kind of advantage over the Williams. Yeah, that's it's probably half, about... Isn't it? Probably over prob- every lap. Yeah, it's probably fair, yeah. It's probably absolutely... They pro- they've probably ran pretty much exactly as, as to where you just about expect him to be at this race, which is kind of understandable given it is a, a flat track, you know, it's a, it's a fairly... Yeah, no tyres to worry about yeah. as well. Yeah, everybody was able to just push, you know, and not the tyres weren't and, the and, yeah. and everybody did the same strategy, so... Yep, so no, there's no... no... Exactly. Uh, this is actually quite a good indication, and Catalonia will reinforce it probably given the nature of that track, mm-hmm. where they are. And, yeah, Nico's probably right. Yeah. The Ferrari is not going to beat the Mercedes this season if both the Mercedes finish mechanical trouble-free, pretty much. And like we might get one freak race like we did last year, but 
yeah, that's that's the way it is, and it's the way it's been for two and a half years. So for the for the sake of um, you know keeping things going, let's let's kind of go back to Nico Rosberg, and then what I'm going to essentially do is clump second to fifth all in one group. Okay. So Nico's race. A lot of people now are starting to say things like, oh, well, it's so easy for him out front. And he's just <laughs> like, we didn't get that for the last two years when it was Lewis out front, especially last year, where for the first, um, you know, um, 17 of 20 races, he was out front winning easily and, and Nico was nowhere near him. Um, these These things happen. He did the um, Grand Slam, leading every race, fastest lap and pole. Are we, not we, but is the F1 media in danger of ignoring the facts about how well Nico is racing these days in favour of simply talking about Lewis's poor luck? Yeah, there's probably something in that. Uh, I mean, if you go on Planet F1, for example, first headline is about Lewis, second headline is about Lewis. Struggling to find much about Nico, actually. <laughs> but yeah, and, so yeah, you're probably right. But at the same time, it's it, it's not there isn't much to be said there. Nico drives well. You know, the story is with. What's happening to Lewis? So I can understand that. That's where the, that's where the headlines are. There's not much you can really write if, if you're a journal on Nico Rosberg drove really well. He, he led and won. That's, that's kind of it, really. So, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying, but there is a lot more to discuss with Lewis. So I can see both sides of the argument. Okay. Um, I was very impressed, actually, because I, you know, apparently he had some... Uh, energy recovery systems issues, glitches feedback stuff that wasn't going well Mercedes did say that they thought they might have to retire him although I'd have thought you'd have heard something along the ra- on the radio to <laughs> suggest that anyway um, do you think winning four races at the start of this season getting the seven in a row across the thing do you think that's enough to sustain him when Lewis finally gets to run a race against him? Um, do, do you think he will be... What, what I kind of mean is is that we knew that he had the stuffing beaten out of him by losing the championship on the last day the last time and then taking such an absolute walloping in the championship the second year. Do I think it's a, it'll give him the mental fortitude to be able yes. to battle? Do you think he started the season this time... Well I think so. To prepare him for the inevitable times when he's going to have to fend off Lewis. I think so. I do. The way he comes across at the moment, the way he's talking, his general attitude and demeanour, I'd like to think so. Time will tell, but I definitely think he's in a much better place than he was this time, say, a year ago. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I really, I really do. If you ask me the question... Will will he be world champion? Yeah, I think he will. Um, four races on the bounce at the start of the season. 
to go on and not win the world title would be pretty, <laughs> be a pretty spectacular bottle job, even by Nico's standards. So yeah, I, I think I think this is his year. And if Lewis comes when when the time comes, and I'm sure it will come soon enough, when Lewis battles him. I have no doubt whatsoever that Lewis Hamilton will come out on top some of those times, but I equally think that Nico will come out on top some of those times. And I think ultimately, over the course of the season, Nico now has such an advantage that I find it really difficult that Lewis can can overturn it. I think Nico will will, will get it done. Okay, okay. What do you think? Um, I think if he doesn't win it this year, he's probably never going to win it. Uh, I agree with that 100%, yeah. 100%. Um, if he's not able to take advantage of having a 42-point lead now and not, as you say, bottle three or four races in a row to erode that to a thing. I mean, I, I think he could he could stand to come second a couple of times, but it's, you know, if it gets into a groove of, you know, Lewis getting pole and race win, pole and race win again, that's, that's when you worry for him that he... Um, he feels that the task in front of him might be unassailable, possibly. Uh, but you you can't... You've got to be able to take something from four race wins on the bounce at the start of a season and say, you know what, I believe in myself and um, uh, and what I can do in the car. Uh, and if you can't do that, then you probably shouldn't be racing because you're psychologically yeah. far too fragile to um, be at the upper echelons of motorsport. Um at least in my opinion. Yeah, right. If he doesn't do it this year, then... Th- th- doomed. Him to it, He's he doomed. It clearly hurt him a lot, and he took a lot to come back from that first title defeat. If he throws away the kind of advantage he's got this season, yeah, that... I uh, cannot see him having the, the mental fortitude to come back from that. So for his own sake, and me as a fan, I really hope he does it. Um, so kind of skipping Lewis's race because we pretty much covered it really he you know he was not back got up to fifth got you know got past the the two drivers that were in front of him had the water pressure thing which meant him maybe meant he had to back off so we didn't see whether he catches up Lewis said he thought he had the pace to catch Nico but there's just a little bit of me that thinks that Nico was not pumping in the fastest laps of the race at that point and as you saw at the end, was able to consistently put in three, four, or five like fastest laps in a yeah, row. I agree. I think if, I think clearly if Lewis had got within five seconds or whatever, he'd have probably turned the gas up a little bit. But I think that's a fair assumption to make. Um, Kimmy's third place is probably as good as Ferrari can expect at any race, really. Um if both the Mercs finish and they both finish without reliability problems, then yeah, I agree. He was able to breeze past the Williams, so that's got to be pleasing from uh, Ferrari's point of view, based on the fact that that you know in qualifying the Williams was much closer to them, um, but in the race, you know, Raikkonen was able to uh, be, you know, a good time ahead of uh, of Bottas. Um, and even further in front of Massa. So there's a positive to take there that they're not slipping back and nobody appears to be catching them up. Um, where the Red Bulls would have been had not everything kicked off, I don't know, but I'm of the opinion that they would have been behind the 
Williams. Do you think? I, I agree, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, they might have split them if Ricardo or even Fiat had, had a, you know, had a hooked up package, got it together, whatever. They might have split Bottas and and Massa. There's twenty seconds between those two, so there's, you know, a gap, gap isn't there? A gap in there that they might have been able to split them, but ultimately the Williams just looked a little bit better this weekend, I think. So that leads us on. Hey, guess what, Sean? I know. I can't. I, 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 knew, whoop, whoop. I knew you were going to be delighted with this. Go on. Celebrate good <laughs> times. Come on. Oh, it's a weight off, Sean. That's all I can tell you. It's a really? weight off. <laughs> can you sleep at your sleeping sounder at night? Just a little bit better. Yeah. Um, that Fernando Alonso did what Fernando Alonso does. And that's drag the car to an unthinkable position. <laughs> Indeed, it was a, a it was a rather vintage Alonso performance in in that respect. Um, hey, I am not going to sit here and say that I think he gets sixth if both rebels don't you know don't have an issue. Um, he's you know at that point he's probably eighth as well, uh, and if Vettel keeps on going, that's maybe ninth. But that to me suggests that McLaren have the race pace potentially, you know, to be coming ninth and tenth regularly. Now, that doesn't seem like a lot, but when you consider how many other t- other teams there are, you know, w- once you've taken the top eight positions for, you know, Mercedes, Ferrari, Williams, and Red Bull. Yep. No. Uh, yeah. I agree. Um, we're probably under the suggestion that the McLaren is nowhere near those teams as yet. Um, although I have read in the news that um, I can't remember if it was Boulier I think it was Eric Boulier said that Red Bull is their target um, which I think shows a very interesting change in, in how they feel about how things are going because I think originally they said that Force India was do you know what I mean <laughs> was more where they were looking so um, yeah he, he benefits from the first corner melee but he kept that car um well ahead of Kevin Magnussen, who will, again, <laughs> probably gets exactly the same kind of treatment when we talk about it later, you know, talk about his race. But, you know, he kept it well ahead. Um, we know that at the, at the moment the McLarens are really fuel limited um, because they use it to spin up the, the turbo and keep all of that going. So they're, they're burning more fuel than most of the other cars. So the safety car period helped. Alonso was able for one lap... <laughs> <laughs> during the end of the race to um, uh, turn everything up to 10 and <laughs> gave it one good lap on means. And he got a, a, a was it a one forty one zero something along those lines? I'm not which, sure. <laughs> which gave him something like in the uh, either top five or top seven fastest laps in the race. So I think we understand that, that somewhere in the McLaren is the pace to be better than where they are, they simply can't use it at the moment because um, everything else requires them to manage the cars a little bit too much. But I think I think that sixth place is, is deserved. It, it's driven to that sixth place. It's not like there weren't other cars that could have challenged him for that position. 
So yeah. I'm I'm very happy with with that. I mean, I'll be very happy with that result, even if they'd completely lucked into it. But... <laughs> even if he's six of seven and the seventh <laughs> is Rio Hariante. <laughs> I'm, you know, I, I think that's the first race I've looked at the McLaren really and gone. Yeah, you've gone racing there, haven't you? Like the whole race, yeah, you've been gone able racing. to compete. Yeah, yeah. No, I get you completely. And obviously, I agree with what you said. You know, the red uh, the red bulls don't self destruct. Fettles in the wall or whatever. There's cars that would have finished ahead of him probably, but you know that's the same every week. Cars that happens every week. He's got that sixth place on merit, uh, and 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 then I would say the same for Magnussen and the Renault because you know we'd spent quite a bit of time discussing the the Renault and the McLaren last week and compared the two the two journeys of those teams so to speak. So to see them side by side, sixth and seventh a week later is pretty. That's pretty good stuff. I'm pretty happy to see that. You know. Yeah, Kevin Magnussen, he won driver of the day. And I originally when I started thinking, I tweeted this out um, uh, online, but um, I rather felt that Alonso and Magnussen both deserved driver of the day. But uh, kind of on reflection, I, I think Magnussen actually had to work a lot harder for that than kind of Alonso did. Alonso got ahead of everybody and then had the pace, the, the driving ability to, to keep himself well ahead and, and manage the car and all those bits and pieces. But Magnussen was under... Her, you know, tremendous pressure for uh, yeah, quite a few true. laps at the end, and was you know was keeping him himself ahead of you know the Haas and uh, the Force India and the and the other McLaren, all of which you would say are faster cars than the Renault in reality. Yep, I would agree with that. All yeah. things being equal, so I think that's that's the Kevin Magnussen that we saw start to emerge at McLaren, and then and you know obviously sadly didn't get to to see more of um you know he was he was clearly pacey and, and had good racecraft um i agree I, I like him a lot actually he just not just in the car but just the way he comes across his entire attitude i like him a lot so i'm really glad to see him have a good weekend here i, I, I had to get a drive this season you know if he didn't if he had another season out of the car what I find yeah. it really difficult to believe he would find a way back in, but now that he's got his foot back in the door, you know, looked at the door was slamming shut. He's crammed it, he's squeezed back in, and now he's showing what he can do. And now this guy could have all the talent in the world, just need an opportunity to show it. So I'm delighted Renault have given him that opportunity. And yeah, I completely agree. That car is on paper slower than definitely the Force India, I would say, and probably the Haas and. Yeah, the McLaren, yeah, probably, yeah. So to come seventh there and to actually have to battle, not just, you know, strategies found him in seventh place and that's where he's crossed the line. No, he's had to battle for that. Delighted. Uh, so Roman Grosjean picks up points again for uh, the Haas team in eighth. Um, not a good race, though, really. I, I think, again more so than when we talk about Alonso and Magnussen, Grosjean very definitely needed, I think, what happened, you know, ahead of him on the grid to happen to get that, um, to get those points. Um, he feels that there is something, um, he was saying it on the grid walk, Martin Brundle was talking to me, he thinks that there is something fundamentally wrong with the car at the moment, whether that's just a chassis thing, um, you know, in a new sas- chassis would, cure all of that and bits and pieces but the Haas definitely looked much more of a handful 
much more instead it was sliding a lot uh, out of the corners um so whether that's something that they've designed in you know they've changed something on the car and it's not worked uh or you know whether in the first few races we didn't see it because of the way that they all kind of worked out uh and you know that's that's what's gotten the Haas those those positions I don't really know but I have a horrible suspicion that that car might go further back rather than for the f- further forward from this point on in the season despite Grosjean clearly dragging it much <laughs> farther up the grid than his uh, his teammate could possibly ever imagine doing um I popped on, um, let me just, uh, sorry, two seconds. Got to get the, got to get the name right. It's the, ah, that's it. Yes, sorry. I was going to call it the Spanners podcast, and it's not that at all. It's the Missed Apex podcast. Uh, I popped on uh, to their show, which they run uh, live streaming off of, off of Ustream. It's very interesting. So they've got webcams and, and bits and pieces whilst they're, okay. they're doing their podcast. It's a very interesting podcast and a very nice podcast um to to jump onto straight after the race if you've got things to want to get off your chest they've got a live chat mm-hmm. and bits and pieces it was quite good for me but event a few vent a few things and interrupt their show sorry guys um but um i said <laughs> and i'm gonna say it on a, on my own podcast just to make sure that i hold myself to it that i think the mclarens will end up uh higher up the constructors table than haswell by the, the end of the season Interesting. Yep. Agree or disagree, uh, Sean? I want to see what the standings are currently <laughs> before I make my call. Uh, so has on twenty-two, McLaren on ten. Hmm. Do you know what it is? Haas only have one driver. That's the problem. McLaren that was part have, of my point as well. McLaren have two. I don't think it, I'll be so, if Esteban Gutierrez gets a point all season. I'll be somewhat surprised. <laughs> I genuinely think he's that useless. He seems to be uh, this season. He seems to be definitely. So, if you had two Roman Grosjeans, right, in the Haas versus Alonso and Button in their McLarens, I think I'd go with the Haas. But because Haas have the handicap of Gutierrez, I'm going to say McLaren. Just on that alone? On the driver lineup alone. Okay. On car. On the car ability, I think the Haas will would, would just stay ahead of the McLaren. But... You think? You think that? Because I, 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 I wonder how much the Haas can develop in its first season. Completely agree. Completely agree. Why there'd be reservations about that? Who? It's a complete step into the unknown for them as far as in-season development goes. Plus the other uh, and the budget other big, and things like that. But the other big plus point for me with McLaren is that um, as much as they can develop the car, we also know that there's improvements to come from the engine, whereas that's not really going to happen for the Haas team. Do you know what yep. I mean? They're, they're yeah, not, they have their engine and that's it. They almost, can't yeah. drive that side of the car. <laughs> it's a terrible pun, sorry. <laughs> um, but they, they can't push that piece of engineering any any further, really, other than a few tweaks and bits and pieces here, I, I guess. Whereas, you know, any leaps that Honda make with the engine go straight into the McLaren and are, yep. you know, there to be done. Like we say, once they get the the turbo deployment and spinning speed and, and less lack of fuel up then that's that's done for the for you know for the mclarens there's there's no performance probably to come 
extra from the the engines until Ferrari decide to spend some tokens on it and, and bring something new, and they the Haas then gets a version of it and puts it in their car. Um, so yeah, it's a fair point. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I just see I see the potential for improvement to be so much greater for McLaren, and I, I think that they're already fairly on par as far as the cars go. And then you add on top of that, to me, you add on Gutierrez probably not scoring anywhere near the points um, that Grosjean's going to do. You know, I'd, I wouldn't put my life savings on it because this is <laughs> Formula One and literally anything can happen. But, you know, I, I'd, I'd put small sums of money on it. Let's, let's put it that way. I think that's fair. Uh, I'm, I'm really on the fence. I know I said McLaren based on driver lineup. I'm really... I'm really 50-50. Gun to my head, I'll stick with McLaren, but yeah, I'm not nowhere near convinced. <laughs> um, where do you put the next guy we're going to talk about? Where do you put Force India in that battle then? Because he fin- Perez finished ninth here for Force India. So where does they where do they come? Because they're I, a team that we've been saying for years are going to go backwards through lack of development. <laughs> yeah, it's um, I don't know where the Force India really is because they have, <laughs> it has to be said, they have had really terrible luck um, in the first few races. But luck, to some extent, is what you make it, isn't it? If they qualified better, then they wouldn't be getting caught up in these kind of incidents. You know, um, Hulkenberg was 15th, you know. Yeah, that's it, not good enough. It's, Simple as that. You're always going to have the chance of crashing into somebody. And... I think we all kind of maybe thought that the Force India was um, going to be nipping at the he- the heels of the the Red Bulls and Williams, and uh, that's where they're going to be. And you know, when they get caught out in the races, they don't seem to have the race pace to breeze past people in the way that they kind of did the last couple of seasons. Really, when they they had the Merck engine anew. And we know that the pace of development on that car is incredibly slow. Um, and that it takes a long time for them to bring big upgrades. Do you know what I mean? That you always hear about the Force India, don't you? That they're, they're bringing something for the European season or they're bringing something for yeah. the American season. It's always about season. five it's... months down the line. They yeah. tell you, oh, we're bringing it when? Oh, I'm into Lagos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I just, you know... I... Do you think that they will finish in the constructor's table... Ahead of the, he said that um, McLaren will beat Haas, so we'll be we'll force India be ahead of McLaren, below Haas, or in between. It's difficult because they've got the Merck engine, which would make me think that they should do, and they have a reliable driver lineup, more or less. Uh, well, yeah, and they should do, and it, and the fact that that both of those drivers aren't performing week to week consistently is weird in and of itself. Um, I think my point of view in that one is that Force India should. They should be able to finish in front of both of those teams not being powered by Mercedes engines. Yep, I think I, I think it could be a case that they finish behind both. But I literally... The, the Force India is such an unknown concept. You, you, I, I want to see them both have a decent qualifying and a decent race, and then I'll judge exactly where they are in the, in the scheme of things. You I know, think even, even as it is, Sergio Perez did a good job to get back to ninth, you know, after having having the puncture and his car probably wasn't in the best shape but then he wasn't able to overtake um Grosjean when it came down to it and it looked more likely that Jensen Button was going to overtake him coming from behind than the the other way around you know so I don't know whether that's car damage or whether that's 
when it comes down to it, when you have the car running for a whole race, that's that's where they end up. I think ultimately they will finish ahead of both the Haas and the and the McLaren. But I agree, I have reservations about the way they develop their car and the, and the lack of sort of budget that's going into it. I've had those reservations for a long time, but for Cinder, it's nothing new. But with Perez and Hulkenberg there, I think ultimately they will. McLaren might score a ninth and a tenth, you know, every week or so, but. I think Force India might have two or three weeks where they're absolutely nowhere to be seen and then suddenly they'll be fourth and fifth and that'll shoot them straight up the Constructors' Championship. I suppose that, that's, where, that's where my thoughts come into it. They're a bit of a basket case, actually, in that sense, that you don't know, they're nowhere to be seen for weeks. and then They could turn up at Spa, couldn't yeah, they? Yeah, Perez is put it in third a... on the grid or something and you yeah. just don't know how he's done it, you know? They're a strange stream, but I think ultimately they will finish ahead of the McLarens and the Hasses and the Renaults, but behind... Everybody else. So behind the Red Bulls, behind the Ferraris, behind the Williamses, yeah. Um, so Jensen Button rounds off our point scorers um, this week for the double point score for McLaren. Um, a much harder race than uh, Alonso. If Alonso got the rub of the green uh, at the start, then Jensen got the um, pooey end of the stick. Um, I think it was down to 15th um, at one point, which, to be fair, then gives you the idea that it, essentially he got ahead of five cars this race to get back into the points. Um, and if you if you look back, really those five places, um, he's kept ahead of Daniel Ricciardo. He's ahead of Carlos Sainz in the Toro Rosso, although he, you know, he obviously had the uh, the penalty, um, but he overtook him on track as well. Uh, ahead of Julian Palmer in the Renault and Marcus Ericsson in the Sauber. Um, you know, he's he's had to race his way to those positions, no doubt about it. And certainly anybody I think who is. Uh, writing Jensen Button off as somebody who's cruising around in the pack in the twilight of his career probably needs to see this drive as the fact that he's, you know, he's willing to put in the shift just for, for one championship. Excuse me. <clears throat> one championship point. Nah, I, I see what you like about Jensen, but I never question his dedication and his determination to still ring the neck of the car. Um, that's not, I don't think that's ever been in doubt. So he wants to be there. If he didn't want to be there, he wouldn't be there. You know, if, if Jensen got to a point when he was, he did feel in himself that he was just turning up and you know dosing about, he'd, he'd have gone. Simple as that. So, now I, I feel he wouldn't even remotely question his motivation. And yeah, like you say, he didn't have the greatest luck in the race and still got it in the points. Double double points for McLaren for the first time in. Can't remember the stat read, but a long time anyway. It was Hungary, wasn't it? They they managed to get double points in Hungary last season, didn't they? Hungary last year, which is you know quite a while. <laughs> Very long. So, <laughs> so yeah, well done, well done to all concerned, um, particularly Fernando, but decent decent race from Jensen as well. Uh, Danny Rick comes in in eleventh now. You know, if we if anybody got the shaft of this race, <laughs> it was Danny Rick hit by his teammate um, through the pits onto um medium tires and this was weird this is something i wanted to go over and I, again i brought this brought this up before um last year rosberg did the whole entire race on soft tires mm -hmm. why were the rebels not able to complete the whole entire race on a set of mediums <laughs> i don't have an answer what? i have no idea <laughs> i don't get it i can imagine that they you know they were slower different different tires they're not different well, they're but they're not, harder they're this year they're, they're a better compound. They're not. They don't have um, the cliff in them that the the ones 
last year did. Track temperature, maybe? Well, I, I, I could imagine that they weren't working very well because I don't think the track temperature was as hot as they really needed it to be. And certainly you could see that they were sliding about at the start. But, you know, eventually you should be able to get temperature into those tyres just by surely just wearing away at the surface bit by bit. There should become a point where even on the, you know, the lack of abrasiveness that is, is the Sochi track, they're still, you know, they're still coming to life at some point and they just never did um and you know daniel had to switch to the soft tire with uh, a few laps to go which obviously put him far back he obviously made up a few places and raced his way back to 11th but um really by that point you're you're overtaking um you know your renault salvas and uh manners to to get back to that point so it's it's not the most difficult of tasks probably to get back to 11 from there. And the fact that he wasn't able to get any higher, I think, you know, it wasn't a good weekend all around. Nothing he could have done about it. But um, strange to see that lack of race pace in the Red Bull where that's really been their strong point. Yeah, I think I think they just got the strategy all wrong, really, with the switch to the medium tyres. I don't have an answer as to why they, they couldn't see the race out. But it was clear from about one lap in that they just those things didn't have any pace. They were getting passed by like Saubers, you know. I think that tells its own story. Um, the yeah, and from there it was just an it was an impossible, impossible mission. Uh, the incident at the start, jumping out of the wrong tires, it just it was it was an absolute cluster from the beginning. So. For Danny to get it back into eleventh and be so close to the points as he was. I think I think that's the worst drive in the world. It's just I don't think they necessarily had a complete lack of pace. They just they got their strategy wrong to go with and that coupled with the fact that they weren't as quick as um they were in China, that's for sure. But I don't think they were completely devoid of pace. I just think the strategy killed them. I think if they'd had a, a you know, a, the same race as everybody else, they would have probably finished behind the behind the Williams is sure, but I think they would have been comfortably in the top eight. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's 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 fairly obviously true. Uh, they just, they just, you know, some tracks. The Williams was clearly hooked up quite well this weekend. Uh, I think some tracks of the seasons, the Red Bulls will beat the Williams, and the Williams will beat the Red Bulls. At others, I think this week was just more of a favoured Williams. I don't think the Red Bull was particularly lacking. I think the Williams was just pretty hooked up this weekend, and they would have, they would have beaten them, even without Red Bull's problems. But I don't think that necessarily means the Red Bull was in terrible shape. They just they were just a victim of a bit of self-inflicted madness. Um, Carlos Sainz comes in twelfth uh, in the only Toro Rosso that finished. Um, Did he finish ahead of Ricardo on the track before his penalty? Uh, I think he might have. I think that might be true because he was battling with Button, and then Button overtook him, and then. Yeah. And then Sainz obviously takes a 10-second penalty at the end of the race for you're going to remind for me. Bumping into Julian Palmer off the edge of a corner. I thought that was rather harsh, to be entirely honest with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, it looked like he just really just was going sideways and Palmer happened to be by the side of him. I'd have, you know, in a way, Palmer should kind of, kind of have gotten out of that earlier because, or, or gone off the track more because it was clear that... Um, 
that's the direction that a Formula One car is going <laughs> to go in. Um, and he hadn't really, you know, yeah, I, I felt a bit, I felt it was a little bit harsh. Um, but at the end of the day, it only means that he finishes 11th instead of 12th. So, Yeah, it didn't ultimately make much of a difference to his race. So no harm done, I guess. But I agree, I think probably quite harsh. Uh, Julian Palmer drags himself up to 13th uh, on the grid. Um, already, we're hearing stories that they're thinking of getting him out of the car in favour of Sebastian Ocon. Um who's the proper reserve driver. Um, Magnussen got the boot for free practice one for Sergei Sorokin, which was clearly just a, a publicity thing, wasn't it, to, in Russia, get the Russian kid to, of course, to yeah. drive the car. So, I wonder how much Renault were slipped for that. You know? Well, they um, they one of their new sponsors is a Russian bank as well, so probably Sorokin's sponsors, one would have thought. So, yes, a, a large donation. It all adds up quickly. it it becomes clear as to why that happened yeah possibly in um laundered ukrainian (laughs) banknotes given everything's going on um do you think jodian parman really needs to worry for his drive already um i wouldn't i wouldn't have thought so he's not done anything two 18th places in the last two races though that was the statistic before today yeah but the cars are the cars are rag so that's going to happen it's a difficult one because magnuson's obviously looking pretty handy but we 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 knew how good magnuson could be this is still palmer's rookie season as much as magnuson's had a year off you know he still had a year driving a mclaren under experience under his belt driving a decent car in formula one it would be extremely harsh to get rid of Palmer at this stage, and I don't think they will. I think, I think Renault have a little bit more respect for the game than that. If it was maybe uh, a Sauber or a, what was the, the an HRT or back in the day or something like that, then I maybe expect it a bit more. But Renault are a historic Formula One team that have won world championships. I don't think they would bullet a rookie driver after four seasons, uh, four four races. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe not I'm, after I'm four surprised. races, but I'm I'm wondering if come the European season proper, he might be looking over his shoulder. Possibly, I don't think he should. Um, and I don't think he should either. What, what what they do is obviously a a different matter. I, I'm maybe guilty of giving Renault too much. You know, of thinking too much too highly of them. Maybe they will do it. I don't know, but. I would, I'd be surprised. I would honestly be surprised. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> uh, Marcus Ericsson comes in in 14th for Sauber. Um, he had seemed pacey at some points during the race. He was um, fairly far up the grid. I think he, yeah, he was up about 7th or something like that. There was um, one moment where he was looking half decent for the first time in his career. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, I think that rather tells you all you need to know about the Sauber, doesn't it? That if Alonso and Magnussen can drag their cars to 6th and 7th, from around the same point that uh, Ericsson was at that point, uh, and Ericsson still ends up in 14th, seven places below him. It says a lot about everything there. It says a lot about the Sauber, and it says a lot about Marcus Ericsson as a driver, with all due respect. <laughs> uh, poor old Danny Kivir ends up 15th. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> did they not pit him again? Did he finish on the mediums, or did they pit him again and he go on the softs? 
I can't actually remember. I, I remember them it... picking Ricardo, but I don't remember seeing Kvyat come in. So I wondered if he got left out on the <laughs> on the medium tyres, <laughs> maybe somewhat as a punishment. <laughs> I don't remember. I truly don't remember. But yeah, uh, less said about the weekend for Kvyat, the better. I think. Eh? All right. Well, we'll, yeah. we'll we'll leave him alone then. Yeah, um, he's he's had his pelters. He's, he's, he's had his abuse. Did you see, one thing is, did you see that he apparently personally phoned, phoned for Vettel to apologise, I think? So, oh, there you he, go then. He said sorry. He knows he made a mistake. It's a weird F1 world we live in, isn't it? Where, in the past, if that had happened, the driver would have wandered into the garage and th- thumped the other one. <laughs> that's and, that, and that's all it would have been, and then it would have been done and dusted. And these days... Everybody has to apologise to the other drivers when you know mistakes happen and things. It's just like just the entire situation was just surreal. In the way that Vettel went and spoke to Christian Horner, who Dad, you know, Dad, tell yeah, him, tell like, him. Who obviously the, those two have their own history, Vettel and Horner. So it was just meant uh, such a weird, a weird situation that you know, someone who replaced Sebastian at, at Red Bull. Has then caused them caused the incident. It's just a surreal situation. But I think Vettel, uh, yeah, I think Fiat apologised on the phone. So yeah, he's had a, he's he's had his abuse. He's had his penalty. He's had his three penalty points on his license. Time to move on. Not only was he punished in the, like with the penalty points, but he it ruined his own race. It ruined Vettel's race, but it ruined his own race as well. And that's. That's the biggest punishment you can get because it not you forget it was his home Grand Prix, wasn't it? Oh so, yes, indeed. With his <laughs> so, face all over the side of the yeah. Sochi Dome or whatever. And by lap one, his race was effectively over, so he's he's been well and truly punished. <laughs> so it's time to go. Let's talk about Fred Nazar in sixteenth. Uh, well, even less to say about Fred Nazar in sixteenth <laughs> than there is about Marcus Ericsson in fourteenth. Really, uh, yeah. never seemed to go anywhere, and I, I guess he's probably got to feel. Um, Fairly happy finishing uh, ahead of the manners, but I think he only did that because um, Verline took a a thump as well. I I don't think um, you know Verline was in the wars in that that opening thing. He got off better than his teammate, but probably not much because he was two laps down by the end of it. And I think you know this was the the manner that was called a rocket a few few races ago, wasn't it? Um, or the other the other race ago, it was. Uh, don't think we'll ever hear that phrase. No, pe- possibly not. The, the one and only <laughs> time we'll ever hear it called that. But, but still, do you know what I mean? Uh, I, unless it's a case that Nazar was literally seconds away from being lapped himself a second time, and I, I can't tell from my from my screen, he's not. You know, I don't think that cost that that actually that much better than the the manner at the moment. Um, I don't see any evidence as to. To say that, it, it, I mean, ultimately over the over the season, it'll probably finish ahead of the manners more often than not. But the gap that used to exist there, of you know maybe a second every race or a second per lap, so that's gone. You know, this now if if the manners turn up and and, and you know and and are going well, there's no reason whatsoever why they can't finish ahead of the Cybers and mix it with them. If you put them side by side. Which team do you think is actually going to develop the car more this season, Mana or Sauber? Hmm. 
probably the manor. Yeah. Just Mercedes have kind of taken them under their arm a little bit. So they might not be doing much. But if Mercedes throw them a sweetie once or twice throughout the season, that's probably enough. Because the Sauber's probably going to go nowhere. That was kind of my thought, that with the way that the the car is driving, that there's a there's a reasonable chance that 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 car could evolve better. Um, and is the Sauber running last year's Ferrari engine or this year's Ferrari engine? I can't remember. I'm not 100% sure. But if it's running last year's, well, you know, in the, even if the Manners were running last year's Mercedes, but I think they're running this year's Mercedes, uh, there's the 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 back of the car is just already better and all they've got to do is just get rid of all of the stupid teething designs that there are still in that car because this the the chassis isn't evolved as much as the Sauber's is they've still got the long nose on the manor um and that's clearly clearly not the right way to go um they just need to be able to afford to develop that sort of thing and then i think if they can if they can put the the basic tweaks that all of the big teams are putting on, even if they copy it to some, you know, even if they just copy what other teams are doing and, and try putting it on the car and seeing what they can do, I think that they could well develop the car faster than Sauber can. Sauber have apparently cancelled their the Spanish test for their car. That's got to worry yeah. you, isn't it? That you can't yeah. even afford to test your car, let alone develop anything for it that's worth testing. <laughs> Yeah, that's well. What maybe that's why? Because maybe they've got nothing to test. <laughs> uh, Pascal Verlaine wraps up our finishes in eighteenth. Uh, sorry, uh, we lost Hulkenberg, Harrianto, and Vettel on the opening lap, um, and then Max Verstappen a little while later to an engine failure. Um, he was fairly high up, I think, at that point, sixth maybe ish, something like that. So it might have been interesting to see what he could have done from that position. Maybe he was farther up the grid than uh, Carlos Sainz was. We shall never know now. True. Um, would you put him in the Red Bull next season ahead of Danny Kvyat? Hmm, that's the sort of... Million dollar question, right? Well, yeah, isn't it? I think they will. Would I? Uh I want I want three cars really. I want I want all three of them. I think I think if Verstappen, I've had my complaints about Verstappen and the way that the media are hyping him up and things like that, and sometimes his attitude. But it does look quick. Do you think Rebel almost have to put him in the car? That's why I think they will. I think they feel they have to because I think because of the the hype around Verstappen, I think they're going to be too scared to lose him. That they'll that it's forced their hand and it'll put it'll, they'll put them in a the car. Whereas if there wasn't such a buzz and a hype around them, they could probably and if he just went under the radar, they could have another season in the Toro Rosso and then make the move, and that would probably be better for his development. But because other teams might be sniffing around, and the, and he's got Yoss there, you know, 
probably saying to Helmut Marco, "Oh, Ferrari are interested. You know, I better get better get my son in the in the in the in the A team." You know, I think they I think they will be just be just because they're scared of losing him, and they'd look really silly if they let him go and he ended up winning a world championship in a in a Ferrari or in a you know Mercedes or something like that. So they will. I think they will make the switch. I think it's I think it's really unfair on Fiat. I can see why they'd make the switch. He does look quick, but yeah, I just I, I feel bad for Danny Fiat. I hope Danny Fiat went goes if he does get booted out of the car. I hope he replaces Massa at Williams. And and and, and revolutionizes the Williams team. <laughs> with uh, his, youth, you know, with his youthful exuberance. I think that's certainly always a um a, a possibility. Um I don't think anybody's really thinking he was that bad a driver that he couldn't possibly get a seat somewhere else should should a retirement or somebody go. Um he probably probably Brings in some Russian money with him, you'd have thought. So, yeah. um, Williams are like that. Yeah, um, I just think that Bottas leading the team as the most experienced driver, and Fiat's useful exuberance would be a good lineup for Williams. Yeah, yeah, you know, I don't disagree actually. Uh, because I think he will find himself job hunting next winter. And that's that sads me because I hate to see the Red Bull merry go round. It always bugged me, but this one more than most, I can see why they would put Verstappen in the car. Do you think they'll make the switch? Um, I, I think so for for exactly the same reasons that we were talking about. That I think I think they will just have to, um, unless so unless Kvyat goes on some massive run of like he did at the end of last season, really. Of getting podiums and really out, uh, you know, driving out of his skin. I think they will just have to because, um, not even that he would leave to go somewhere else because I think he would probably stay in the Toro Rosso for another season uh, if he's got the contract already to do it. Um, but I think everybody will expect them to do it and will it will damage them if they don't in the eyes of the F1 fraternity. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of, you are damned if you do and damned if you don't, because if you put him in the car and he fails miserably, you might have absolutely wasted potentially one of the best talents to arrive on the scene for many a year. But it could be a case that, you know, his exuberance in his first, first two years of Formula One in a fairly decent Toro Rosso do not translate into a driver that can win you world championships and is more than likely, you know, doing a pasta every weekend <laughs> than um doing a vettel uh and you yeah yeah and you've allowed the decent russian driver that you had that might have well been a really good maybe not a world champion but a good teammate to have behind you know a, a danny rick going for a world championship um you know a mark weber to a sebastian vettel if you will um just for the sake of the hype of a of a teenager it's a tough, it's a tough one, isn't it? So wouldn't like don't envy the well. You say don't envy the situation, but it's one of the, it's like the football analogy. It's a nice problem to have. Too many good players, you know. Uh, yeah, I think he will. I think he'll ultimately get the drive, and I think he, for what it's worth, I think he will make an excess, make a success of it. I don't really doubt his talent. I just think some of the some of the smoke that gets blown is a bit a bit much, but. 
It's a bit like Lewis, you know. I never ever doubted Lewis's talent. But when he first burst on the scene, the smoke was getting blown up his ass was exactly the same. And it's just a bit nauseating for me. Don't doubt their talents, though. So, that's pretty much the Russian Grand Prix. You, you, you rate it out of 10? Were you saying it was less than a 5? or Less than a 5. I'd probably give it a 4. Uh, I think I could have probably given it a 5.5. Maybe a, a 6. I enjoyed the first stint, but the second the pit stops were done, the race was effectively finished for me. I, I can't, I don't like one-stop races at all. I'm all about strategy, as you know, and once a one, if everybody, if it's a one-stop race and everybody just does their stop, puts off, starts on soft, goes on to medium or whatever and drives home, like, that's boring to me. So I want to see minimum of two stops, preferably three stops, where there's loads of cars on mediums at the same time that loads of cars are on super softs and everything's all over the place. That's what I want to see. So this track didn't lend itself to the type of race that I like, Thus my low rating, but yeah, like the first step was good and uh, happy enough with with the result. Excellent. Well, I think um, I think what we might do is I'm going to trial something here, Sean. So mm-hmm. stick stick with me. I think we'll, we'll we'll end the podcast for this week and work work allowing. <laughs> Maybe try and do another podcast just to go over. The news stories of this week, maybe a, a much shorter, shorter okay. podcast, a sort of if you want, yeah, something where we can just talk shop uh, and not about the race. Yeah, that might there's, be fun. There's a few, there's a few stories going around, but nothing that I feel we need to talk about right now, given that the race is only just finished. And I'm sure there's other things that are going to come out across the week. So it'd be nice to sort of bundle those up, maybe, and do a yeah, do a sort of work, twenty yeah. minute, half an hour podcast just on. We got um, at this point of recording about a week and a half until the. Uh, Catalonia. So yeah, that could be fun. Yeah, could do something yeah. uh, looking ahead towards that. Catalonia next. Uh, not one of my favourites, but we go again. Okay. Well, well, let's <laughs> let's do that. Maybe we'll try and uh, see if any uh, any of our other podcast friends or any of uh, our our uh, listeners might want to potentially uh, call in or send us questions or uh, talk to us about specific subjects. Maybe we can. We can all slam it into one quick podcast. So uh, yeah, it'd be nice to have a, a chit chat without having to, you know, review the whole race. Yeah, that could be fun. Excellent, excellent. Okay, well, we'll we will try and get that organised, folks. If I fail miserably, uh, well, you can blame me. To be fair, it's <laughs> <laughs> as these things often are. Um, so uh, that takes us to the end of uh, this episode of the podcast. That was the Russian Grand Prix. Uh, I'm your host Andrew Pearson. Uh, my co-host is Sean Gray. Um, you will find us online at www.lastlappodcast.co.uk uh, where you can always listen to uh, any of the episodes uh, as they come out, uh, leave us comments, uh, email us from there, our email addresses are on there. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, that's at lastlappodcast, uh, and you can follow Sean and myself uh, individually if you want to hear us talk about things other than F1. Um, I am at mancalledmegs, that's M-E-G-Z. Yay. Sorry, just interrupting your, your little plug there. That's right. Uh, yeah, you could catch me at Firebolt Willow. Uh, and obviously, you can um, catch us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page. Uh, we'd love to uh, hear you drop any uh, comments you have on the show or F1 in general. Or if you've got any interesting news articles, please uh, post them to the page and we'll approve them and stick them up there for other people to comment on. Um, 
and uh, you can download the podcast in various ways outside of the website. Uh, we are on iTunes, so you can subscribe to us there. Uh, we are on TuneIn, so you can subscribe to us on TuneIn. And we are also on Stitcher as well, so you can follow us on Stitcher as well and download the podcast that way. A myriad of ways to uh, enjoy uh, our ramblings whenever they come out uh, onto the Tinter web. Uh, so thanks again for very uh, thanks a very much for for listening. No, thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you can put up with me tripping over my words, um, I've been Andrew Pierce. My co-host is Sean Gray. We will see you again uh, soon, hopefully, for a uh, our little podcast. Uh, so thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you soon. Bye bye. Bye bye.